Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Truma Revi'i, the first, the fourth Aliyah of Parshas Truma. The topic of our Aliyah is the Krashim, the wall beams of the Mishkan. It is 16 sukking long, running from Perak Chofov, Pasuk Tesov, to Pasuk Lamed. Let's take a look at a brief overview and then we will delve into some points to ponder. So we hear about now making the beams. The beams, remember, if you, the, the Mishkan is something which has to be set up and taken apart. So how do you have walls to a structure which is meant to be temporary? So the way the Torah describes it is they would have these beams which would stand around around the edges right next to each other in these sockets and there would be there would be these little um, um, top loops which would hold them together and and uh, and there would be staves in the middle which would hold it all together to create the structure of the Mishkan. So here we have a few of the details that each of them was ten almost ten cubits high, roughly twenty feet high, and it was a um, the 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 width of it was one and a half cubits. Of, of each one, and at the very bottom, they had the, the bottom armor was had two pegs, so it wasn't solid wood at the bottom, it was two pegs sticking down, and uh, those would fit into these adonim, into these um, um, adne, uh, these adne kesef, two silver sockets per um, per beam. Um, so the, the, the way it would work then is, is that you at the bottom you'd see these two silver sockets, the beams would fit into it, each of those pegs into one. Now the, we're also told about how many go on each side. So on the north and south side we have 20 beams, which means obviously 40 sockets on each side, and 20 beams and 40 sockets on each side. That also helps us understand the length of the Mishkan because if each of, the, of these beams is one and a half Amos put directly next to each other, you have 20 of them, you automatically have 30 Amos, 30 cubits in the length. Which makes sense because uh, now that we understand the Kodesh, the uh, outer sanctum, is 20 Amos and the inner sanctum, the Kodesh Kodashim, is 10 of that, sp- of that space as well. And then we have the... Um, the westmost side is six beams, of course, so that, that that's six times one and a half, which is the nine um, Amos over here to fill the back of the the back of the Kodesh Gadoshim, the westmost point. Um, so um, we also hear that they are joined at the top, at the top and the bottom. They had these tabaos, these rings which would hold, which would um, hold together these different beams. Now that's that holds them stable at the bottom is adanim, the sockets. At the tops are these tabaos which hold them together. And then what makes them not move around too much is they had these brichim. And brichim would be a pole or a stave which would go through the uh, through through the middle of it. Now each side, so if you could imagine looking at the south or the north side of the Mishkan, which is the longer side, because okay, remember the back of the Mishkan is facing west, if you look at it, there would essentially be five different um, poles. There would be a 10 armor pole and a 10 armor pole on the top third, and there'd be a, a 10 armor pole and a 10 armor pole going through the bottom third. So, so it, the, the right hand bottom and the left hand bottom had two 10 armor poles, and then the, you, uh, the, the top right and top left had two ten-armor poles which you met in the middle. And there was a Bria Chatichon, the middle um, the, um, pole, which went all the way through, and it seems to go all, right, all the way through all three walls. So the north wall, the west wall, and the south wall all the way together. That's the Bria Chatichon, the center um, pole, which would, uh, um, which would be uh, um, holding it together. That would sort of make sure everything is clear. So we have the sockets at the bottom, we have the rings at the top, and we have the Brichim, these poles in the middle. Now, a few basic questions on this aliyah. Why are these called, I'd say, shitim omdim, standing acacia wood? Why is that the case? So the Soran explains that they were not piled on top of each other. Usually when you make a wall, you pile bricks um, horizontally, landscape, on top of each other. 
However, these were the opposite. The way the wall was made was that they were standing perpendic uh, perpendicular to the ground. They were standing vertically. The Dasa by me from the Balatosis explains that this is, based on the Gemara, is the way that they grow. That means to say, like the tree would grow upwards, we're putting it in the Derech Kedilasan, in the way that they would grow. And this is important because the Gemara and Yuma goes on to explain that there's many other as times in Torah where we have something which is a natural, uh, a, a natural product is used in the way it is uh, it appears naturally, like the esrog as well. Uh, the the notion of that the vert that we'll call it um, y axis is derech gedilason is important to to appreciate. Now, um, um, the, the, there is another expression as well, which is uh, which is over here, and that is that the, all, although the mishkan is going to be retired, the walls of the mishkan are going to be retired when the nation enters the land of Israel, and they're going to have actually stone walls, brick walls, when they get into Shiloh. But the, the, it seems that the, they were um, omdim, that means to say that these walls were never put away. They, they were stored and they were put away like the iron, like the, the Ark of the Covenant would later, be, uh, be, uh, uh, later on be stored away as well for eternity. Now, what is the function of this briach atichon, of this middle um, this middle beam? The Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says that um, it really holds everything together. And he says, quoting, quoting the Medrash, that this was pretty miraculous that you could have a beam which was this long. That, that, that would be able to hold everything together. Um, and it, it, so Chazal said it was actually miraculously suspended. The Rabbeinu B'chai explains that this is, this is because it actually is reflective of a particular person in the Klal Yisrael, and that is Yaakov Avinu. In the, in the words of Rabbeinu B'chai, very powerfully he says, this beam or this pole would sovel osoi haya keneged kava emtsai heichal kodesh on a sela kolak savos besovlon umashpia kochoi b'chol shivim. It would be um, it would it, it it would bear the weight of all the beams throughout the different parts of the Mishkan. Vihi midasoy shal Yaakov. This is the way that Yaakov was. He had very different children who had very different ideologies, warring ideologies at certain times. But he was able to still bring unity among them, hold it all together, hold all the different sides of the Mishkan structure of the nation of Israel together. And he is the representation of the Briach HaTichon. But it goes further. In fact, if you look at the beginning of the Aliyah where it says, you made the beams for the Mishkan out of these this acacia wood. Where why is it called Hakrashim the beams? So interestingly enough, Rashi quotes a very fascinating medrash that where is it that they got this wood for? They're in the middle of the desert at this point in time. You can't just find this kind of lumber available to you. So Rashi explains that when Yaakov Avinu came down to the land of Egypt, he planted these the acacia wood in order the atzei shittim in order to um, for his children to use it for the mishkan. So it's Yaakov Avinu's thinking ahead. Why is this so important? Why do we need to know about this? Why couldn't they just buy or trade wood from the neighbors around them at this point in time? So Rav Yaakov Kamenevsky in the MS Yaakov explains in the Torah, the reason is, is because imagine yourself being Yaakov Avinu. You know that there's a prophecy from your grandfather Avraham, who's told you that there's going to be this this There's going to be this servitude, this being, this being enslaved in a foreign nation. You're now taking your family away from the promised land. You're going to this foreign land. You don't know how long it's going to be. You don't know when the drought's going to be over. You don't know what the future holds, but you do know that you want there to be a continuity. So what do you do? Says the Rabbi Yaakov Kamenevsky, Yaakov Avinu planted these, the, the, this Atzei Shittim because he knew his children would continue the story, would carry on holding the torch. He wanted to give them a sign that as they went in, they would come out. This is the continuation of Klal Yisrael, which is why it's so significant that we use that wood for the Mishkan as well. However, it goes a little further than that as well. 
And that, in fact, the Medrash Rabbah describes, this is in Bereshis, um, a parasha, Tzadi Dalad Dalad, actually explains that where did Yaakov Avinu get this wood from in the first place? He went to Be'er Sheva. Be'er Sheva was where Yaakov Avinu, where Avram Avinu, his grandfather, had planted them at the beginning, and he chopped them down and replanted the woods, using those woods in Egypt as well. Which means to say, Yaakov Avinu wasn't just telling his own story, he was continuing to tell the story of Jewish history. In fact, it goes into, it, this relates to a very fascinating point that Rabbi J.J. Shechter raises. The Gemara Bavid Sion Daf Pei Dalad Omebeis tells us that there was, de- there was a debate between Rabbi Chia and Rabbi Chanina as to who were, were, were more significant in ensuring that Torah would not be forgotten. And, um, and so um, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Chanina and Rabbi Chia had a debate. And Rabbi Chia explains what he does to ensure that the Torah will not be forgotten. And he goes to, to describe this elaborate process in which when he would want to write a Torah, what he would do is he would personally grow, put the, the, the seeds in to grow flax. He would use the flax from those, from the, those plants to make nets. He would use those nets to hunt the deer and feed the meat to, the, to orphans. Then he would take the parchment of their hides and he would write the Torah on those hides. Now it sounds like, and, and he would teach them to the children based on these Torah and these Mishnahs. Now wait a second, isn't this a little excessive? Why does Rabbi Chia go to such, such lengths? The Vilnagon explains on this is that in order for something to be pure, in order for something to be unbiased, in order for something to have longevity and immortality, it needs to be pure from its start. You have to start the cleanest of roots. That means to say that not only was he just buying skin to write on, he was ensuring that even the nets made were made it was the, the seeds for the nets were sowed with the right the intent and that's what Yaakov Avinu is saying you want to build a mishkan it needs to start off with the wood that Avram Avinu used in in actually making his inn where he would house guests sometimes we think that the mishkan is a model for how our houses should look actually it may be the other way around Maybe the Mishkan is a reflection. Our sanctuaries are a reflection of the way our houses are. Can we take the, the wood out of our houses and how we host guests and what we do in our house? Can we bring those? Are they worthy enough of being brought to our, our Mishkans, to our Mikdash Ma'ats, to make the walls for it? That's the question which is at stake. And that is the story being told in this Aliyah. With this, we can't always, in the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.